welcome to Swarthmore Presbyterian Church's podcast. This is your host, Alex Evangelista. We are delighted you are here, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You are now listening to a sermon recorded for August 8, 2021, titled, A Decentered Way of Being, by Reverend Joyce Shin. Would you please pray with me? God of mystery, let us encounter you in the hearing of your word. Invite us in so that we might follow you out. Amen. Of all the books in the Bible, the book of Job comes closest to being a thought experiment. It poses what-if scenarios. Usually it's thought to be a moral tale that poses the question, what if God and Satan were to wage a bet on someone of unassailable moral character? Could the person's moral mettle withstand such a bet? By the time we learn of the assault on Job, we cannot help but to empathize and to ask, What if we, like Job, were to suffer such assaults, first the loss of all his wealth, then the death of all his children, and finally an affliction over his body from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head? How would we cope? The bulk of the book shows Job trying to make sense of what he has suffered. And as we witness his effort, Chapter after chapter, we might raise another what-if question. What if every conventional thing your friends said to you in their attempts to help you make sense of things further traumatized you? Would you not feel alone, no longer at home in the world in which you used to be so comfortable? Would you not feel suddenly like an outcast. Lamenting to his friends, Job bitterly compares himself to dogs that are disdained, driven out from society, he says, in the gullies of waters they must live, in holes in the ground, and in the rocks among the bushes they bray, under the nettles they huddle together, a senseless, disreputable brood. They have been whipped out of the land. Job then goes further, saying, I am a brother of jackals, a companion of ostriches. Hearing his lament, one cannot help but wonder, what if you were an outcast? From where would you get your bearings? These are some of the what-if questions that the book of Job raises in the chapters leading up to the story's climax, found in chapters 38 through 42, from which we heard selected verses today. While for us they may function valuably as a thought experiment, for the ancient Israelites, these questions were not likely so hypothetical. With their exile into Babylon in full hindsight, the ancient Israelites likely understood the experience of being displaced. 
feeling outcast and altogether decentered. Isn't it interesting then what God does to one who is already feeling like an outcast? God displaces him further. Out of a whirlwind, God takes Job on a harrowing virtual tour of creation. While this is the most panoramic view of creation in all the Hebrew Bible, it is not intended to be a scenic tour. God transports Job to the earth's extremities, to far-flung regions, depths, and heights that are horrifying as much as beautiful. And all the while, God batters Job with question after question. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where is the way to the dwelling of light? Where is the place of darkness? Have you gone beyond the gates of deep darkness or cruised the earth's extremities? Taking Job on a tour of every habitat in the natural world, Job is driven from civilization to wilderness and wasteland, propelled to the fringes of creation. And it is terrifying. Not only does Job encounter torrents of rain, thunderbolts, scorching east winds, and the frozen face of the deep, but he has also afforded the perspective of the lion lying in wait, the hawk and eagle spying their prey from afar. Not only does he get a close-up view of the mountain goats, the wild ass, and the ostrich, but he has also shown behemoth and leviathan, monsters about which God says, I made just as I made you. Behemoth, God reveals to Job, is the first of the great acts. So great is he that it would be ridiculous to try to take it with hooks or pierce its nose with a snare. And when it comes to Leviathan, God says, can one draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down its tongue with a cord? Who can confront it and be safe? Under the whole heaven, who? God's created world in all its magnificent diversity is astonishing and breathtaking. It is breathtaking even, it seems, to God. Rare is it in the Bible to find God rendering such praise to creation. Over 129 verses, God recites marvel after marvel. And while God can hardly take a breath from talking, Job can hardly open his mouth. Job, who complained against God for over 30 chapters, lays his hand over his mouth, speechless. You know the feeling, right? That fleeting feeling that you may have experienced once or twice in your lifetime. When you have been transported utterly beyond yourself by encountering something sublime in God's great cosmos. Usually those transporting experiences take place when I am on vacation, causing me to ask, what if in my day-to-day life I were not so cut off from all of this? 
What would my place and perspective be within such a world? To be sure, such transporting experiences are decentering. They displace us from the center of things, where we are cozy, among things that we have constructed, among conventions that have given meaning to our lives. In our era, which some scientists are calling the Anthropocene era, an epoch in which human activity, more than any other force, is driving ecological change on our planet, one has to go to greater lengths to keep wildlife in the world. This is a topic on which author John Moo Allen writes in his book, Wild Ones. For better or worse, as our own species has taken over, he writes, we've tried to retain space for at least some of the others being pushed aside, shoring up their chances of survival. He gives examples of conservation efforts that, while earnest, sound ironic. Efforts like training condors not to perch on power lines, slipping plague vaccines to ferrets, shooting barred owls to make room for spotted owls, and waiting up all night for tiny sea turtle hatchlings to climb out of their nests in the sand and assisting them into the ocean via a trench shoveled down the beach. No one could have imagined how far conservation and management efforts would go. The absurdity of some of these efforts, understandable as they may be, beg the question, what is our place in creation? The answer that the book of Job gives to this question is very different from the answer that the book of Genesis gives. Job 38 to 42, which has been called the creation story part two, offers no anthropocentric view of the world. Unlike Adam, who in the Garden of Eden names all the animals, Job has no authority over the creatures of the wild. Job is no naturalist. He has no plans to study the habitations of wild animals or to manage their habits in any way. To the contrary, they are deemed by God untouchable. Even God the Creator is not a micromanager. The earth, according to the creation account in Job, is not an object of human management. What if we were to take this view of creation seriously? What wisdom could we learn from it? Why, after all, would God have chosen to give Job a view that lies utterly beyond any view from the center? Isn't this the last thing, Job? who was already suffering such alienation from the society in which he had once felt at home, who was already bitterly complaining that he felt like a brother of jackals and a companion of ostriches, would have wanted? Perhaps God chose to decenter Job further in order to give him a new orientation. Perhaps God chose to astonish Job with such a panoply of views to pull him out of his alienation. For sometimes when things don't make sense in the way they used to, 
When things become absurd, it's a sign that we need a revelation. I am sure that the terrifying tour of creation was nothing short of a revelation to Job. To realize that the world does not and never did revolve around oneself, around humanity, is tantamount to a Copernican revelation. And it puts us on a new course to get our bearings, to ponder what our place is in God's creation. I imagine that there could be many different answers to this question. Certainly, history is replete with them. The Bible itself offers different answers, not necessarily contradictory or incompatible. The book of Job, it seems to me, challenges us to ponder the perspective that Job so lamented of being a brother of jackals and a companion of ostriches. What if we human beings were connected to other creatures in such ways that we cannot yet fathom? We might be as surprised as we have been to learn from biologists studying the genetic tree of life, the historical interconnectivity of all life. What if, just as the chicken is closest, is the closest living relative to the fiercest predator ever to roam the land, the Tyrannosaurus rex? Or just as the closest relatives of whales are hoofed animals such as pigs, antelope, and deer? Or just as dolphins are more closely related to us than they are to sharks? Human beings were relatives of behemoth, and leviathan, jackals, and ostriches. Then, where would we place ourselves in God's creation? As alien as another view might be, would we not want to see things from there? To be so transported, we might discover that what we deemed human forsaken is not God forsaken that what we once thought alien is actually awesome, that the view from the margins can be as breathtaking and as revelatory as a view from the center. Amen. Thank you for tuning into this sermon, recorded for August 8, 2021, titled, Centered Way of Being by Reverend Joyce Shin. We'll see you soon. May the peace of Christ be with you.